Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Coaches Don't Play Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Zettler, joined by my host, David Cherub. How you been doing this week, David? Uh, pretty good. It's Thanksgiving, so no school, no work. That, yeah, that'll that'll get it done. Getting ready for oh, we were gonna get ready, you know, for some great Thanksgiving football. Uh, but we'll get into that later. Uh, topics of the week: there was a decent bit of football played this weekend. Uh, then there was a decent bit of football not played. If you ask Clemson and FSU, who had their game postponed, and the way it's looking right now, it seems like it's going to be canceled. If you ask Mike Norvell. Uh, Dabo Sweeney made some interesting comments. Norvell fired back and then, uh, Dabo Sweeney filed suit again and he fired back with even more shots at FSU and the entire program. Uh, Norvell basically was trying to give, uh, Dabo Sweeney advice saying that he shouldn't act like he's a doctor because head coaches aren't doctors. And as everybody knows on social media, Dabo Sweeney basically said, I don't need to take advice from a school. That's had three head coaches in four years. Uh, David, how, how do you feel about uh, this back and forth between Norvell and Sweeney? And do you think that this game will ever be played? Hell, I got my popcorn out just reading all these comments on Twitter and everything. Uh, it's fun watching two coaches go at it. Um, but I'm going to have to pick, and I hate doing it, I'm going to have to pick FSU side. Um, I think Dabo needs to button it up. I think he's you know, ruin his reputation saying what he's saying. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if the game, you know, got postponed or whatever. FSU is looking in, you know, for the best of their players and their team and everything like that. So I understand, you know, if they had a reason to cancel the game due to, you know, health concerns with this global pandemic and everything. But, uh, you know, it's been really fun watching these two go at it and, you know, seeing the two, do, you know, them fire back at each other and everything. It's, it's real funny to watch. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say it. Have these Clemson players just been licking doorknobs? Like, 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 what is happening? Like, probably. How, how, how are they getting COVID so often? Like, I don't know. Like, at this point, I think some of them are trying to get COVID. Like, I, I don't understand. Every single week, it seems like one of these programs just has an abundance of people getting COVID. Somebody, somebody new has COVID, blah, 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 blah. You know, all the conjecture, you know, we live in an interesting time, but uh, this game is really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of that game, believe it or not, if it's not played, will have a lot of implications on how the ACC as a whole will shake out. Um, people who are unaware, at, unaware at home listening, um, the ACC title, it's based on win percentage. So, if Miami wins out and Clemson doesn't play FSU, the tiebreaker won't matter because Miami will have a higher win percentage. And Miami, instead of Clemson, will go represent their side of the ACC. David, do you think that's that's how it should be? Or do you think that the, that the ACC or the committee should step in to maybe uh, pretty much make FSU play this game? Blake, I'm going to say it. This is going to make a lot of people mad. I don't like Clemson. Never really like Clemson. I hate it when they're winning. Love it when they're losing. I love when they're getting beat up by Florida State and teams like that. But I think how the ACC has their championship set up, um, it kind of sucks for Clemson because obviously Clemson, they're probably still the best team in the ACC. I know they lost to Notre Dame, but you know they weren't fully healthy. You know they blew out Miami, which Miami is a really good team. Um, you know, if Trevor Lawrence played and they had all their defensive starters, they probably would have, I wouldn't say like beat the crap out of Notre Dame, but they probably would have beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. 
So, I mean, if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm upset if uh, FSU cancels because I feel like, you know, they deserve to be in the ACC championship. Probably, you know, they are the best team in the ACC. So I think it's kind of crappy on the ACC's part of how they have their championship set up to see, you know, if Miami wins out and Clemson has a game canceled, then Miami goes and Clemson doesn't go. But are you going to – do you think that the ACC will make FSU play the game if – Everybody on Clemson is tested and none of them have COVID. Uh, do you think that the ACC will basically say, FSU, you're going to play the game or it's going to be a forfeit? Or do you think that the ACC will go along with what FSU is doing and make sure they just don't get any flack from the media and just put the player safety foremost and just act like the game was never going to be played in the first place? Or basically what I'm asking you is, what do you think is going to happen? And what do you think should happen? if the ACC should step in and pretty much make FSU play the game. You know, we talked about this before the season started, you know, is college football going to play and everything like that. And in America, cash is king. Money talks, bullshit walks. So money will talk. You know, everyone probably wants to see Clemson in that ACC championship, so it's going to raise the revenue up. So I could see the <clears throat> the ACC forcing FSU to play if there is not a real reason for them not to cancel the game or anything like that. And I, I see that as, you know, as the real possibility as well. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't make up the game if there's no positive cases or no concerns like that. You know, it's like one of our friends, you know, he's a Florida State fan. He said, you know, we're not scared to play Clemson. You know, we've gotten our butt kicked, you know, all this year. And so, but if there's like a concern for, you know, health and everything like that and player safety, then I could see why you would want to cancel the game. But I could see that, you know, with the ACC championship and everything and money and playoff implications and stuff like that, that I could see that the ACC might might force Florida State to play the game. Honestly, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. In, in the back of some of these Florida State fans' heads, I know they don't want to play the game. Like, they're going to they're gonna say they're not afraid to play Clemson, and they're probably not. I mean, they just got beat up, beat up on by NC State. They, they don't care about the, the at this point. The season is over for Florida State. They're going to make a bowl because everybody's making a bowl. But if everybody wasn't bowl eligible, they wouldn't have even made a bowl this year. Uh, the season's over. But they do have the power. They don't usually have the power to win games, but they do have the power to control the outcome of the ACC schedule moving forward. And I'm not going to lie to you, Norvell seemed decently upset at Dabo Sweeney. Now, I don't know what the AD is going to do. I don't know what the AC as a whole is going to do. But I would not put it past those boys down in Tallahassee to stick it to Dabo and Clemson and just say, no, we're not going to play the game. And you're going to have to make us play the game and then see what happens. Well, I don't agree with you know, Dabo's comments saying, like, you know, if, if they want to make up this game, they're going to have to come to Clemson or they're going to have to pay for us to come back down to Tallahassee. No, if you want to play the game, you're going to have to come back down to Tallahassee and you're going to have to pay for it. That was just an idiotic comment, in my opinion. You know, this game is bigger to Clemson than it is Florida State. So why would Florida State pay for y'all to come down there? Or why would Florida State, you know, come up to, you know, Clemson and play y'all at Clemson? You know, that comment just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, that I was kind of scratching my head when he said that too, because basically you're saying you're just reaffirming what Norvell wants. Like, sure, Norvell wants his team to play football. He wants the team to get better. 
He wants his young players to get experience, but he doesn't want to put his players in jeopardy. And you basically just gave him an out or an excuse to not play the game. He didn't want the trouble with all this COVID stuff to begin with. He listened to his trainers, his staff, all the medical staffers. He listened to all of them. He said, they said, don't play the game. And he listened to them. But I mean, Dabo apparently has got some interesting doctors. Uh, they said it would be fine to play the game. They said, willy-nilly, go lick all the doorknobs you want down there in Clemson, South Carolina. I, I don't know. I don't know what type of what type of pseudoscience they got going up there, but I don't know. Apparently it was easy. It was easy to pick. They were like, they were like, football? We want to go play football. Fuck the science. They're nerds anyways. Go play the game. No matter. But uh, but moving on after that, that was just a little funny topic. I thought we would open up with, but uh, just because you know it captivated a lot of people on social media over the past couple of days. Uh, the beginning of my analytical genius started with the Ohio State game, no. in which I accurately predicted that no. Indiana would keep it close, surprisingly close in this game. David, you said 17 points. No, 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 no. I said Oklahoma by 17 points, but we'll get to that later. I said, I said Ohio state by two scores, which I was wrong about that, but it looks even better for me now because I'm telling you, Indiana, they got a good team in Indiana. A lot of people were surprised. You know what? Let me rant. Let me rant for a second. I watched this dumpster fire play, this trash can of a team, that trash can of a secondary you know, Ohio State came out firing all cylinders. Justin Fields couldn't be stopped. Then he started throwing interceptions, started making bad decisions. Secondary forgot how to cover. They looked like the Falcons secondary or the Saint or the Seattle secondary. They looked awful. You know, Indiana was running the same damn play over and over again, just a fade to the boundaries, and they were getting just torched over the top. I'm just gonna inter- I'm just gonna interrupt you real quick. You know what's yeah. so funny about you bringing up the Falcons secondary is AJ Terrell is the only Falcons player to get COVID this entire time, and he came from Clemson. <laughs> I just wanted to add that. Right <laughs> I didn't even know that. But uh, anyways, you know Ohio State looked good. You know, going in halftime, if I remember correctly, they were up twenty-eight to seven or thirty-five to seven. I can't quite remember. You know, they were, they were playing great, moving the ball great, and then your second half happened. You know, I don't know what Ryan Day said. I don't know what Indiana's head coach said. But whatever Indiana's head coach said needed to be said to Ohio State because they came out and they just started firing on offense and they just started torching the Ohio State defense, you know, forced another turnover in the second half, you know, started making that Ohio State offense stall out and everything. Um, Ohio State – they didn't look elite, you know. They still got the win. They didn't look elite, though. You know, I know it was you know Justin Fields, you know, first really bad game in college football. You know, he's a great kid, so you're gonna see for the rest of the season that kid playing lights out. Uh, if I'm any other team in the coming weeks playing Ohio State, I'd be scared because I'm sure Ryan Day was pissed off after that game, and I'm sure Justin Fields was upset about his performance. Yeah. Um. The interesting part about the game was, uh, yeah. As you said, this basically been Justin Fields' only bad game his entire time playing college football, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. Uh, one bad game, uh, and he still won. He still won the game. wasn't Apparently, wasn't that bad. I still got the win. But uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting statistics just going forward here. Uh, Fry Fogel seven receptions, two hundred eighteen yards, and three scores. Just can't happen. 
if you're Ohio State secondary. Uh, you can't be giving up that many yards to Fry Fogel. He's a great player. Uh, he's been doing this to a lot of teams, but he's not Calvin Johnson. He's not Julio. He's not Michael Thomas. Like he's he's not one of those guys. He can't be giving up that many yards. They were just leaving. There were sometimes they were just leaving him wide open. He would just get into the get into the second half of the secondary. He would just blow by safeties, blow by cornerbacks. I don't know what the game plan was on defense for Ohio State, but whatever it was, they need to throw out. They need to burn it. Whatever part of the playbook it's in, they just need to get rid of it. The run game, it the the run game was non-existent for Indiana. Uh, I don't remember how many yards they had. It was well below fifty. I don't even think they. Uh, it might not even a bit been above thirty. I won't even lie. Uh, Negative one. <laughs> whatever they had uh, rushing was not great. Uh, that was effective, but it, it seemed like they didn't. They did sell out to stop the run, and I think that might have contributed to Indiana's. Uh, success well, in the well, past. Game. Well, the, well, the problem with problem with Ohio State is that if you watch them play, you know, you could have seen it against Clemson in the semifinal. Um, they like to play a one high safety, and last year was Jordan Fuller, which you know worked really well because Jordan Fuller was an amazing tackler uh, in the open field. He kind of reminded me of like Devin McCourty. He was like your safety shield over the top, and you know Jordan Fuller never got beat over the top. But you know, now Ohio State's got these young safeties like Marcus Hooker, the younger brother of Malik Hooker. You know, he's not a bad player, but, you know, being a young player, you're going to make mistakes and blow some coverages. And that's what happened in this game, and it really showed. I think Ohio State should have shifted their defense to play a too-high safety, and I think they would have been you know, able to defend better against these deep balls that, that, you know, Indiana was throwing and everything like that. Yeah, a lot of these – Patterns that they had Fry Fogel going on. Uh, they, he ran a lot of corners. He ran around. He ran a lot of wheel routes. Uh, it was pretty interesting just seeing how they attacked the defense and all that stuff like that. Uh, the one thing I did know about Indiana going into this game is I knew they could play defense. I knew they could force turnovers. Uh, that wasn't really surprising to me. It might have surprised a lot of people watching the game. Their secondary didn't play great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they did what they, didn't they play bad though. Yeah. They, uh, they did what they had to do in the run game. Uh, Ohio State's got a pretty good, pretty good set of backs, but they, uh, they don't get me wrong. Ohio State still had over 300 yards rushing, but believe it or not, that wasn't that. If you watched the game, that wasn't that bad. There were some, there were some times where, when Indiana had to get a stuff on a fourth, a third down, they got it. The defensive line of Indiana got pressure on Fields. I think that was the difference. Uh, Fields has been used to used to some clean pockets here recently playing some of these teams, and Indiana got after him. Uh, they made him a little, little bit uncomfortable. Uh, on one of the picks, he just took a shot, and he just kind of threw the ball up, hoping somebody was going to grab it. And uh, the safety for Indiana pretty much just caught it like it was a punt. Uh, another one, he it was, a, it was a little bit of a bad read. He just threw into coverage. Uh, it was just a mistake by Fields, but he's a – Believe it or not, he's still a young quarterback. I know he's probably going to come out of the draft, the draft this year. But you got to remember, this kid—he doesn't have that much experience. He played all of last year, but he's basically a sophomore right now. If you think about playing experience, so he's going to develop. He's just going to get better and better. Uh, I wouldn't really be super concerned about Justin Fields' performance in this game. Uh, but the game, I think, does say more about Indiana than it does Ohio State. Uh, because I think Ohio State's a great team. I'm not going to mince words about it. Ohio State is one of the three best teams in the country. 
Notre Dame, Alabama, and Ohio State, I believe, have separated themselves from the pack. I don't think Clemson is that good, in my opinion. That might piss some people off. but Ooh, Controversial. The, their defense just isn't good enough. I'm sorry. I understand Ooh. coming from an Alabama fan talking about Whoa. defense this year. Not a great take from me, but the, the Clemson defense, they just don't. They're not opportunistic. They don't get the stops when they need to. Uh, people forget in that Notre Dame game, Notre Dame had multiple turnovers, multiple missed opportunities in the red zone. If Ian Book doesn't fumble that ball that gets punched out, I, they don't even go to they don't even go to overtime. Clemson basically gets blown out of the water if they convert all their chances. Don't get me wrong, bendo break. That's how you play defense a lot of the time. But Clemson just needs they, – they just don't – these Clemson teams in the past, uh, they just had something about them. They, were, they had a backbone on defense. They knew what to do. They knew how to stop the run game. That's a big part of the reason why I think Clemson uh, struggled against Notre Dame. The run defense just wasn't there. Kyron Williams basically did what he want, wanted to. Every single time he got the ball, Ian book had a field day rushing the ball. Uh, that's not going to get it done. If they play Ian book again, Ian book loves to scramble. He loves to make things happen. Uh, but yeah, basically the Ohio state game, it just honestly just reaffirmed what I thought about Indiana. I thought Indiana was a pretty good football team. And I thought that they made a, made a statement on Saturday that they weren't, they weren't no joke. But the problem is, is that, Ohio State was just better, and that's all that mattered on Saturday. But uh, moving on from that game, uh, another interesting game that was, in fact, played on Saturday was Wisconsin and Northwestern. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. We threw a little bit of shade on Northwestern. We didn't really give them that, that much of a shot to win this game, but Northwestern absolutely shocked David and I by upsetting Wisconsin in this game. David, what were your thoughts about Northwestern and how well they played? How about them? Man, they played phenomenal. They played lights out against uh, good old Wisconsin. Um, you know, defense played great against Wisconsin. I think I'm pretty sure they forced Wisconsin's quarterback to, you know, toss them three picks. Uh, you know, getting turnovers is a you know, big, big thing to, you know, win games and everything like that. Uh, Wisconsin, in my opinion, I don't know if they were underprepared or what. They didn't look that good in this game. Um, you know, Peyton Ramsey for Northwestern came out playing great, you know, threw for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but defense for Northwestern came up big. And it looks like, you know, Northwestern, you know, can control their own destiny. Um, as you know, Wisconsin had to cancel another game, so now they're ineligible for the Big Ten Championship. So it looks like – it's coming down to a Northwestern Ohio State Big Ten championship, but you know, once again, Northwestern did surprise me. They look great. You know, last year I think they went like three and nine or something bad. You know, now they're five and zero, beating some top ranked teams. You know, looking like a top team. So, congrats to them. Yeah, um, we actually touched on this a pretty good bit last week. Uh, what this team, what this game actually meant for the Big Ten. Uh. Basically, as I said last week, if Wisconsin lost this game, might as well cancel the rest of their games for COVID because they they have no chance of representing the Big Ten in the championship. And basically, that's what happened. Uh, Wisconsin can't couldn't happen, couldn't lose this game. They did. Their season's basically over. Uh, Northwestern is basically a shoe in now to represent their side in the Big Ten championship. 
And Northwestern, they did they surprised me a pretty good bit. Uh, they did a great job stopping what Wisconsin wanted to do uh, on the ground. I think that's really what made a different what made the difference. Uh, Wisconsin only had 136 yards rushing, which that might seem like a decent bit, but Wisconsin runs the ball a pretty good bit. 40 carries for Wisconsin backs and only 136 yard rushing, a 3.4 average. That's not going to get it. It's not going to get it done in college football, folks. That average got to be much higher. And Wisconsin just didn't get it done. Northwestern, they uh, they stiffened their backbone a little bit when it mattered, and they got themselves a statement win in the Big Ten, and they pretty much solidified themselves as the second-best team in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Uh, you know, some of these teams that people thought were going to be good didn't show out, like I said last week. Michigan is in shambles. Harbaugh, they're basically kicking them out. They're basically rushing them out the door at this point. Uh, they just don't want to do it midseason. Uh, the buyouts, that's going to be a complicated situation in the offseason. But, yeah, Northwestern got a great win. They did what they needed to do. And Wisconsin, I agree with you, Wisconsin looked flat. They didn't look great. Uh, their quarterback, uh, I, I don't know. It's it, I, I, bet he's, I bet he's a great kid. Didn't really look great to me. Thought he was uh, a little bit in over his head against that Northwestern defense. They gave him some looks that he really didn't like, and he paid the price for it. And basically, Northwestern, congrats. Got a great win. And we'll see what happens in the Big Ten Championship. But I'm not holding my breath that, was, that Northwestern is going to beat Ohio State. Let's just say that. I'm not <laughs> holding my breath. But uh, step two of my analytical genius as well is that I had an absolutely hot take last podcast in which I said that Oklahoma – was going to beat Oklahoma State by at least 17 points. Now, Oklahoma did, in fact, absolutely put the whooping on Oklahoma State. Uh, let me let me go ahead and check real quick. They yeah, won 41-13. They won 41-13. to 13. So, I actually, you know, I underestimated myself a little bit, underestimated my Sooners a little bit. They got a, they got a little bit jiggy with it. They got some extra points. They absolutely put it on at the end there. Oklahoma State, basically what I said last week, Oklahoma State, trash. They, they aren't that good. I mean, trash. can we talk about Oklahoma State? They're trash. Chuba Hubbard. Overrated. Chuba Hubbard is Oklahoma State. Basically, it's like Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers. If Overrated. Chuba Hubbard isn't going, then the team – basically isn't going anywhere and that's basically what happened this week oklahoma they don't play defense in the big 12 oklahoma found there somewhere on the back yeah they must have played something (laughs) they found theirs they 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 called the number on the back of the milk carton and they they found it somewhere because chuba hubbard had a abysmal 44 yards rushing uh he only had eight carries to be fair but that's not going to get it done uh, if you're a team that has aspirations of be- beating Oklahoma in this game, you cannot only run Chuba Hubbard eight times for 44 yards. That's just like David, for example, if I told you before this game that you picked Oklahoma state to win the game, right? You, yes. If I told you that they were going to run Chuba Hubbard eight times for 44 yards, would that have changed your prediction of this game? Oh, hell yeah. And with their daggum starting quarterback, Spencer Sanders, only passing for 97 yards. They threw for a total of 168. You, you ain't going to get wins with that little offense, and you know, especially only running your star back eight times. You know, you got to open up the passing game somehow. And, you know, 
But it looked like Oklahoma just stopped both sides of you know their offense, the passing and the running. I didn't know Oklahoma played defense, but uh, where I'm going to give Oklahoma credit is they really got their run game going. Uh, Raymond Ramondre Stevenson, I think I'm saying his name correctly, had 141 yards for Oklahoma on the ground, and you know, you know, with that running it, with that run threat, uh, that opens up everything in the passing games. As Spencer Rattler threw for 301 yards and four touchdowns, so all credit to Oklahoma for getting the big win. Uh, it's tough. For the Big 12, because uh, no team's going to make it in the playoff for them. But, you know, Oklahoma played great, and they just showed that they're still the big brother. I'm sure the committee will get them in somehow. I'm sure they'll they'll do it. Right, they right. Absolutely, it couldn't be the playoff without Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State. You know, it couldn't be the playoff without all those teams. You know, screw Notre Dame. They went to the fucking playoff to kick a field goal anyways. Might as well put Oklahoma in there. Get some fun out of it. I'm just kidding. Oklahoma's the Big Twelve itself is cooked. There, there's, there's no way a team's going to the playoff. Basically, they call the game bedlam, and that's basically what the standings are in the Big Twelve. It's just craziness. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense because it's the Big Twelve, and I guess that's what people like about it. Uh, it's just a lot of high flying offenses. Lincoln Riley, like we said last week, Lincoln Riley knows offense. And apparently Oklahoma State doesn't, as you've seen the stats. And Mike Lincoln, Gundy must have forgot it on the bus. <laughs> they must they must have burned the burned the playbook, forgot it or something. They were out drinking the night before or something because Oklahoma State just did not look good. They looked like oh the Oklahoma State of these past couple of years that they were they're competent. Go get me wrong. They're 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 a decent football team, but they're just not a team you would want representing your conference in the playoff. Uh, as we said, Texas is in fact the better the better team of the two. Now, the argument can now be made that Oklahoma is once again the predominant team in the Big 12. I believe a lot of people would agree with that statement. Uh I still I still think it's Texas. Don't get me wrong. Oklahoma did beat Texas, but I like I don't know. I I just think Texas I don't know what it is about them, man. I just think they're a better team than Oklahoma. I know they lost the they lost a one-on-one matchup, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what Oklahoma does after this game. Oklahoma, uh, they lost two tough ones earlier in the year. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Oklahoma lost another game or two. It wouldn't surprise me if Oklahoma State went on a stretch of losing games. It's the Big 12. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, and speaking of not knowing what's going to happen, South Carolina, as we discussed last week, did in fact fire their head coach, Will Muschamp. Uh, interim, interim head coach Mike Bobo. Uh, most likely will not be the head coach moving forward. Uh, they interviewed a couple of coaches early today. Scott Satterfield uh, was one of the was one of the people they they uh, interviewed. Uh, Oklahoma assistant Shane Beamer uh, is currently the favorite, is what I'm hearing for the job. Uh, the assistant uh, David. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say you're 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 a USC fan. Uh, I bet I bet you you would you would enjoy if UFC as UFC was good. Uh, do you think that Shane Beamer, if he does end up being the head coach of USC, that it makes a difference, or does South Carolina just stay good old South Carolina like they have been for the past couple of years? Oh, that's a hard one. You know, South Carolina's got good players. You know, I'm gonna say it. Yeah, you know, they got really good players, really talented recruits that have come in. You know, like Jordan Bruges, 
um, Zach Pickens. You know, they got good quarterbacks that have come in. You know, Ryan Halinski was a four-star. Luke Doughty was a four-star. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if Shane Bieber's it. Beamer's it. Um, you know, he is the assistant head coach of Oklahoma. Um, he is from South Carolina. Maybe that's why they're favoring him. He also used to coach at South Carolina from 2007 to 2010 on that Steve Sprayer um, uh, coaching staff. Uh, if, if I'm South Carolina, uh, you, you kind of need to not necessarily make a splash. Um, I'm thinking that they need someone like Hugh Freeze, someone who knows the SEC real, real well. You know, Hugh Freeze, you know, coached at Ole Miss. Yeah, he did some, you know, questionable things, but uh, yeah, Hugh Freeze is a great coach. Uh, had some good teams at Old Miss. Um, I, you know, when when you know Steve Spurrier first left and South Carolina was looking for a coach, uh, I kind of said, you know, they needed Kirby Smart, but I knew that Kirby Smart wasn't going to go to USC. He was obviously going to go to Georgia. That was the better situation. But what what I really said, who they really needed, was someone like Les Miles. They sure tried and got Les Miles. Les Miles is a great recruiter. You know, he's a great head coach and everything like that. So they need someone who can come in, you know, motivate the team and also be, you know, a great recruiter and, you know, keep those high profile and great players coming. You know, it's going to be a tall task for any coach who comes into South Carolina. It would just be interesting to see who South Carolina picks. One thing that I will say is that I think South Carolina needs to fire Ray Tanner as their AD. Uh, I'm that. That's a very interesting take at the end there. Uh, what makes you what makes you think that, David? Why do you think that Ray Tanner needs to be replaced as AD? Um. Well, let's look at it. Let's look at Will Muschamp at Florida. Uh, he had you know like one good season, I think. Uh, let's just let's just let's just get this out here. Uh, Will Muschamp's not a head coach. Yeah, you know, defensive quarter coordinator. He's amazing D coordinator. He's not a good head coach, though. You know, he had one good season with South Carolina. You know, typically looks like he has his one good season wherever he head coaches at. Um, you know, Ray Tanner should have stayed, you know, South Carolina's, you know, head baseball coach. He was good at coaching baseball. Um, but some of the decisions that he's made as the athletic director for South Carolina have just not made any sense. You know, given Will Muschamp that new contract after that nine-win season, you know, give him that humongous buyout so – you know, it made it harder for them to fire him. Just didn't make any sense to me, you know. So that's that's why one of the reasons why I think they need to fire him. Some of his decisions he makes are just not in the best interest of South Carolina. Yeah, um, it's interesting that a baseball coach is making football decisions. But, you know, that's just usually how it goes when you are the athletic director. Ray Tanner, he's a legend at South Carolina. Uh, the The baseball program basically is – uh, the most prolific program at South Carolina, the one with the most prestige, the most championships, of course, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Ray Tanner basically got elevated because of that. Uh, whether or not the Will Muschamp hire was was all right at the time, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, I, for one, also didn't agree. I tend to I didn't agree with the hiring. I tend to agree that uh, people without head coaching experience, uh, I usually wouldn't give them very big power five jobs uh an interesting situation that i that i liken to the situation is uh chad morris at arkansas when he received the arkansas job uh he was just he was just in over his head he didn't have any head coaching experience he'd been coordinator for a while at clemson uh he did great things there 
Uh, he was a wide receivers coach for a little while. Uh, he groomed some of these great players like DeAndre Hopkins, all those guys like that. But uh, once he got to Arkansas, it just didn't matter. Uh, the day-to-day, you know, being the administrator just wasn't – he didn't like it. He didn't think it was worth his time, and he just focused more on football than all the stuff that went into it. And I think that might be Muschamp's problem too. Uh, I don't I don't doubt Muschamp's knowledge of the game. Uh, that just goes – defensive coordinator – as a defensive coordinator, he was great. I mean, he did what he had to do. Uh, those – even those those defenses at Florida, the defense was usually never the problem when he was at Florida. Uh, and I don't really think South Carolina's defense is a problem either. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead. What, what, are you, what are you saying? It's the problem. They're giving up an average of 444 yards a game. Yeah, but they can't. But if you can't get it done on offense, it doesn't matter. If you're turning well, the I, Well, I think, I think the big mistake that he made is that he started Colin Hill. I mean, I get that he's a graduate transfer and everything, but – you know, yeah, I, I'm. You know, I just felt like they had better quarterback options, and you know, they have a great, you know, room full of quarterbacks. I just don't think Colin Hill was it. You know, the man can barely throw a ten yard pass. Yeah, uh, I don't really understand the decision to go with Colin Hill either. Uh, that basically cooked his goose, for lack of a better term. Uh, but I will say that South Carolina did find themselves a gym, and their running back, Harris. He is that 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 he is very good. Um, he's one. Of, he's at the top in rushing yards in the nation. Is at the top in you know rushing touchdowns. So I will say he did do something good there. Yeah, uh, but just moving forward with all these all these coaching hires, decisions, all this stuff like that. Uh, interesting. You bring up Les Miles. Uh, something just doesn't sit right with me that Les Miles isn't in the SEC. He just seems like an SEC guy, you know what I mean? Uh, him eating the grass was always, you know, funny to me <laughs> before games. But, uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know, a little part of me, don't get me wrong, I'm not a huge LSU fan as an Alabama fan. Uh, some people would say that I dislike LSU strongly, and that might be, you know, a little bit true. But I, did, I, I liked Les Miles. I thought he brought something to the SEC that was interesting, uh, his brand of football. His teams are always – uh, fundamentally sound. They always did what they needed to do on defense. Uh, and I do agree that that would have been an interesting hire for South Carolina. Uh, Les Miles was experienced. He had championship, uh, he had championship uh, caliber experience. experience and stuff like that. Uh, championship medal was the term that I was looking for. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. And Les Miles would have been an interesting, would have been an interesting hire in that position. Uh, another interesting hire, as you said, would be Hugh Freeze. Uh, now, do I trust Hugh? F- Hugh F- yeah, Hugh Freeze around five points. I don't know. That's the real question. <laughs> and uh, people were saying like Steve Sarkeesian should get the job, and I was oh, like, hell no, 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 oh, no. <laughs> no. Like that would be like trying to hire Lane Kiffin to be the head coach of South Carolina. And like Lane Kiffin would probably like after the game they'd be like, Coach, we got practice on 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 Monday, and they they'd have to go find Lane Kiffin in five points because Lane Kiffin would just be there instead of you know watching film or something like that. But no, all jokes aside, uh, uh, I think Beamer is an interesting choice. Um, Oklahoma, you know they know offense as we like to say. We love to say here, uh, Lincoln Riley knows offense. Shane Beamer, uh, also. Knows offense. He's been around Lincoln Riley. Based- how about uh, how about Luke Fickle, Cincinnati's head coach? Maybe they should give him a look. I don't. I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't. It would be a cold day in hell before I would leave Cincinnati 
for South Carolina Money talks. right now. Money talks. I don't, I don't know, David. That's going to be a hard sell. You're going to have to give that man dumb money for him. Hey, you never know. It's 2020. You never know. That is true. I mean, if those, if those boosters at South Carolina want to open up, open up their, their, their coin pouches and get out a cool uh, 20 mil a year, I bet he would reconsider. But <laughs> 20 mil a year, they could get Nick Saban, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. That's practically what they're paying him at Bama, so I don't know if he'd want to leave either. But uh, <laughs> moving uh, on yeah. from all the stuff that happened last week and stuff that happened uh, here recently, moving on to things that are going to happen. And speaking of Nick Saban, if you guys didn't know about the news, Nick Saban does in fact have COVID-19 and is symptomatic, uh, which probably means he will not be coaching in the Iron Bowl, which I absolutely hate to see considering I am an Alabama fan and the iron bowl usually is the week that I get the most nervous uh, because usually, you know, we absolutely just dominate the West. They're basically our sons. Texas A&M is supposed to be one of the best teams in the country. We made them look like a JV team, Uh, but the iron bowl, it's just got that extra little to it. In my opinion, it's the best rivalry maybe in the history of football uh, even like the Bears Packers rival rivalry in the NFL, I don't even think it Steelers Ravens. Uh, it's in like that. What about the game? On. No, I the Iron Bowl. It's just got to be the Iron Bowl. It's just got a special place in my heart. I love beating Auburn. I hate when they beat us. The kick six. I still have nightmares about it. I won't lie. I wake up and I've sweat. Uh, hearing the hearing the call. But uh, how do you think the Iron Bowl will shake out this weekend? If Nick Saban does, in fact, not coach the game. Okay, if Nick Saban doesn't coach, uh, I think that kind of hurts them. You know, that's your head coach. It's your game manager. Me, 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 manager. Uh, but, you know, still, uh, I think they said that Steve Sarkeesian's going to be the interim head coach, so hopefully he's sober for the game. Uh, I still see Alabama winning this game, you know, with that high-powered offense, you know, Mac Jones at the you know head of it. Uh, you got to stop Najee Harris and you know Devontae Smith. Uh, I still like Alabama to win this game, but if Auburn's going to make a splash, this would be the week to do it. Nick Saban's more than likely not going to coach, um, but they're going to have to do some keys for Auburn to win. Bo Picks is going to have to go back to Bo Nix. He's not going to he he does not need to throw any more interceptions or turn the ball over. That. Auburn defense is going to have to play lights out defense. They're going to have to stop Devontae Smith and Mac Jones. They're also going to have to force turnovers if they want to have a chance. Not only force the turnovers, but get points off the turnovers. That's a big thing. So I still see Alabama Alabama winning this game. Uh, no concern that they wouldn't win this game. But like you said, it's an Iron Bowl. This is a rivalry matchup. And so anything can happen. So it might be interesting or it might be a blowout and you just flip to watching regular TV. Yeah, this game is probably going to be one of those games where you find out whether or not Auburn is good at football. Uh, I don't think it's a secret that Alabama is good at football. I think everybody knows Alabama is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, What Alabama did to Georgia uh, when people thought Georgia were were very good. That was illegal. Yeah, basically, uh, Mac Mac Jones said Jalen Waddle got to be down there somewhere and threw the ball, and he was always open. That was pro- that's practically the summary of the game. 
against Georgia. If you didn't watch it, there you go. I, you didn't have to waste three hours of your time watching it anymore because I just told you how the entire game went. But uh, all jokes aside, um, Alabama, they might have lost Saban, but you know who they didn't lose? Devontae Smith, uh, John Mechie, Najee Harris, Mac 10, a.k.a. Mac Jones. Uh, they didn't lose all those boys, so I'm liking our chances in this game. As David would say, we're going to – we're going to win by a respectable 21 points, uh, as you said last week. Damn straight. But, uh, yeah, I do like our chances in this game. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, Nick Saban, the whole COVID thing. Uh, that's going to make this seem like a more interesting game than it was. I'm not going to lie to you. If Nick Saban didn't have COVID, I'm pretty sure everybody would be picking all, uh, Alabama by about a million. But uh, it just makes it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more drama to it. But a game that is very interesting is ISU plays Texas this weekend, which is a huge game for the Big 12 standings as both those teams are near the top of the standings in the Big 12. Uh, David, do you have a pick for the game, or are you basically just throwing your hands up in the air like everybody else does week in, week out with the Big 12, saying, I have no idea who's going to win, but I hope it's fun to watch? Or do you actually have a pick for this game? Um, This is a very interesting game. Um, Iowa State currently sits at the top of the Big 12. Um, this is a Friday matchup as well. I don't know if anyone knew that. This is a noon kickoff on Friday. Um, Iowa State currently sits 6-1 uh, and one in their conference, whereas Texas sits at 4-2. and two. This is a must-win for Texas if they want to make the Big 12 championship. With a win over Iowa State, they set up for a rematch against Oklahoma. That's saying, you know, if Texas wins out and Oklahoma wins out. Um, I think this game is up in the air. I think it could really go either way. Um, Sam Ellinger is a great quarterback, great leader. Uh, Brock Purdy is a great quarterback, great great leader. Uh, one big key for Texas is that they're going to have to stop Bryce Hall. Um, he's leading the nation in yards with uh, 1,100 yards on the ground and you know 15 touchdowns. So Texas is going to have to get their defense going, and they're going to have to get that defense going early. Uh, Joseph Osai is going to have to make great plays and, you know, get a few sacks, maybe force a few turnovers. So it'll be very interesting to see this game. I think this is a must-watch game on Friday, though. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Uh, If you're not doing any Black Friday shopping, this is probably what you're going to be watching on TV. Uh, Huge game for the Big 12. Uh, I basically compare this to the Wisconsin and Northwestern matchup. It's got huge implications in conference. Uh, it's probably the game that probably one of the best games this weekend coming up. Uh, a lot, you could argue that it is the best game that's going to be played this weekend. Other than that, the ND uh, UNC matchup, we're probably going to touch on after, but uh, Vegas couldn't tell you who they think is going to win uh, right now. The odds are Texas minus one. Uh, that doesn't really tell you anything. Vegas is basically throwing their hands up in the air saying, Eh, we like Texas. Well, we don't know. We have no idea. Uh, the money line, it's too close to call at this point. Basically, it's a 50-50. You bet on who you think is going to win. You're going to get a little, a little bit more back. But I like to you know, touch touch base on the Vegas the Vegas odds just to see who the, who the real experts think is going to win because you know money talks, and they get people who are pretty damn good at their job. 
to do some of those money lines and spreads. But uh, yeah, as you touched on, uh, it's going to be a, a hell of a game, probably. Uh, this is this might be a controversial take, but as I've said multiple times, Texas is in fact the best team in the Big Twelve, and they're going to prove it this Friday. Uh, they're going to probably going to beat Iowa State by a decent margin. I think it's at least two scores. So that might be a hot take, but Sam Ellinger, I just. I'm done betting against him. I did it a lot last year. Uh, I would make jokes at Sam Ellinger's expense because he just didn't look very good uh, in some of those games last year. But I'm I'm sold on Sam Ellinger after seeing that that game against Oklahoma where he brought him all the way back just to you know lose in a heartbreaking fashion in overtime. But you know the interesting thing about Sam Ellinger is that he believe it or not he's actually Texas's top rusher as well as their top passer uh you know his athleticism it's great he just knows how to do it he's a leader uh he's the alpha male that offense he gets it done but uh iowa state they're a good football team don't get me wrong uh i just think texas uh it's got that little bit of a little bit of swagger to them i think they come in they defend their home turf and they get the pretty decent win over iowa state this weekend keep rolling and i do believe that Texas will in fact play in the Big 12 championship game. David, do you have any do you have any closing statements about that game or should we move on? Texas by 10. All right, Texas by 10. I said Texas by 14, David said Texas by 10. All right. Just keeping it on the record. Just in case we look like idiots next week when Iowa State blows them <laughs> out by 50. But <laughs> which honestly might happen cuz I have no idea. The Big 12. Uh the probably if you don't care about the Big 12, if you're like, ah, screw the Big 12, there's another great game being played in North Carolina, I believe. Uh, Notre yeah, Dame is, in fact, playing North Carolina this weekend. A huge matchup for the ACC, even if you don't think that Clemson will be even be going to the ACC championship. Uh, this will be a good test for Notre Dame. Uh, it'll give them another, another opportunity to show how good they really are. Uh, this UNC offense... It's been prolific. Don't give me. Everybody knows Sam Howell is for real. He's he's been great this year. All he does is throw for yards, touchdowns. He puts up stats. He's basically playing NCAA on freshman difficulty out here. He his stats are ridiculously good. Uh, he's been lighting it up. Uh, Notre Dame, we know what they're about. They're going to run the ball with Kyra Williams. They're going to control clock. They're going to play decent defense. Uh, David, if you had to pick who would win the game. Honestly, I'm pretty sure both of us are going to pick Notre Dame. I'm pretty safe in saying that. Uh, how how big do you think the margin of victory will be for Notre Dame? Uh, Vegas seems to like five points. I tend to think that it'll actually be closer than that because mm. Notre Dame's defense, their secondary specifically, has struggled this year. Uh, I'm not going to give them a pass on that. Uh, against Clemson, some of the cornerbacks just looked lost. They didn't really know what the hell they were doing. Uh, against Boston College, same thing. Uh, Phil Dracovic didn't have a great game uh, against Notre Dame. He missed a lot of throws. The receivers was wide open, and he missed him. Uh, I think he got a little bit antsy playing against his former team. Uh, maybe he just didn't want to do it to him. You know, Phil he had some he had some boys back in back in Notre Dame. He just didn't want to you know put the put the whooping on him. But uh, all jokes aside. Uh, I think that this game is pretty close, uh, decently close. Wouldn't surprise me if it went into overtime. 
Uh, don't get me wrong. North Carolina doesn't have a defense. They're basically a big 12 team uh, at this point. They don't play defense. It's all offense. But Sam Howell, Sam Howell is a damn good quarterback. Uh, I'd be inclined to believe that he's better than Ian Book. And that gives me a little bit of inclination to say that this game will be closer than Vegas thinks it is. Uh, but I do think Notre Dame will probably edge him out by three points in this game. David, what are your thoughts on the upcoming matchup? For this matchup, just like you said it, North Carolina don't play no daggum defense. I guess they forgot how to. Um, but keys for this game. Notre Dame struggled against Clemson's passing attack. You know, Clemson, you know, didn't have their starting quarterback. Uh, also had a wide receiver out. Um, but Notre Dame's defense does struggle. Their corner. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sick of that excuse. DJ DJ literally set a new school record for passing yards in the first game that he played. We're not going to sit here and act like DJ's a scrub. Honestly, he looks fantastic. But but but, but he's a true freshman. You got to remember that. And he doesn't have the chemistry with Travis Etienne, so that also plays a factor. Yeah, well, the, 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 I, I will. That's granted. That's granted you saying that. But that doesn't have anything to do with the passing game. He threw perfect passes most of the time. Uh, he was in sync with the wide receivers. Uh, you know, I don't think DJ is the problem with them losing. Defense wins championships. That is true. That is very true. And Clemson just couldn't play defense when it mattered against Notre Dame. And that will be the question whether or not North Carolina can play defense against Notre Dame when it matters. Uh, you can continue now, David. Sorry, I wanted to get a little bit of my rant in there about Clemson's quarterback situation. Now, I'm not going to say that Clemson has amazing wide receivers, but, you know, they got pretty good ones, and they played really well against Notre Dame's secondary. Now, with that being said, I think North Carolina has way better wide receivers, you know, with Daz Newsome, and I want to say his name is, uh, before I butcher it, is Damon Brown. He, he's been playing great this year. So, Notre Dame's got a tall task of stopping those two. Also, North Carolina runs the ball very well. Um their, their running back runs great. Um, but as seen, Notre Dame has no problem with stopping the run game. Uh, I just think it's going to come down. I think I could see a shootout. Maybe not. Uh, if Notre Dame's defense plays really well, um, they can, if they can get pressure on Sam Howell, you know, get him rattled early, you know, get a couple sacks and everything like that. Um, but just like you said, I think this is going to be another close one. Um, North Carolina has played close games all year. Uh, Notre Dame really hasn't, you know, Bone a team out of the water other than Pitt. Um, so just like you, I think it's I think it could be a field goal that separates this game for a win. Yeah, that's uh seems to be what a lot of people think. Uh the experts five points. That's not too many. That's more than I think. But you know, basically the breakdown of this is either North Carolina keeps it close and they lose in a heartbreaker, or North Carolina gets absolutely blown out of the water. They look like they've never played football before, and Notre Dame makes them look silly. But I don't think there's a shot. Then I don't think there's a shot that North Carolina wins this game. I just don't think they have the players on defense to win the game. Uh, their offense, don't get me wrong, is prolific. Sam Howell's very good. But I just don't think they have – if Clemson couldn't do it, I don't know what makes North Carolina think they can uh, going into this game. But, you know, it's to be seen. Uh, David, you said you agreed with me that a field goal would separate the teams. I th I think it's a field goal. You know, I think the game's going to go. North Carolina is going to go down early. 
But, you know, Sam Howell is going to, you know, fight back and that offense is going to fight back. But I think they're going to lose a heartbreaker. Yeah, uh, I think both of us are pretty much on the same page. I think this is the Clemson game last year. Basically, yeah. Uh, I, I, the Clemson game last year with a tad bit more points scored, and I think that's exactly what happens. Uh, yeah, that's basically all we got for college football. Uh, moving on to the NFL, uh, a lot of things happened last week in the NFL. Uh, I hope to start on, just hit on a little bit, some of these quickly. Uh, not much to talk about. The Seahawks beat the Cards uh, and Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray looked great in the game. What's new? Kyler Murray always looks good. Uh, the Cardinals' defense didn't look great. Uh, the Seahawks basically did what they wanted on offense for three quarters. Uh, they got they stopped them a little bit in the fourth quarter, gave Kyler Murray some chances. Uh, Kyler Murray couldn't quite come back. He had a heartbreaking sack that he took to basically end the game. Uh, does this change Anything you think about the Seahawks, or, or do you still think that the Seahawks need to make some changes before they're real, like, Super Bowl contenders? Uh, no, I think the Seahawks secondary is still trash. Uh, nothing has changed about that. Uh, I don't know if it's their defensive line's fault or if they just don't know how to cover anyone. I mean, great win. I said it last week. If Seattle wanted to win, they're going to have to get DK Metcalf involved somehow. Sure enough, look what happened. He scored a touchdown, you know, made some plays, so Seattle won. But um, Seattle's still a good team. Uh, they just got to figure a few things out on defense. Got to figure out how they can get more pressure onto the quarterback to, you know, force bad throws and kind of help out their secondary. Yeah, uh, their secondary, I'm not going to lie to you. I think their secondary is getting beat up a little bit too much by a bunch of people talking. You know, it doesn't help when you have to cover for nine seconds every single play because you can't get any pass rush. That definitely doesn't help, but – uh, yeah, basically, I have the same take you do on the game. Uh, I think the Seahawks are a great football team. I think the Cardinals are a great football team, too. I think uh, it was just a matchup of two very good football teams, and one of them had to win, and the Seahawks ended up winning. But I think it didn't really say anything that I didn't know about either of the teams. Uh, Kyler Murray is a baller. Kyler Murray will be good for years to come. Uh, Russell Wilson is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. Uh I don't think that's even a question at this point in his career. Um, the Seahawks, the Seahawks defense, it played better than it has in games past. Uh, still not, I'm still not that optimistic about it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they still gave up way too many passing yards, but uh, it, they even gave up a little, a little too many chunk runs for uh, Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. I didn't really like how they handled that. Uh, they were bend don't break. Only gave up 21 points. Uh, that'll get it done most of the time. You know, if Russ is cooking, only giving up 21 points, we'll usually get it done. We'll get you a win. If Russ doesn't, you know, turn into midseason Russ form and start turning the ball over again, didn't really know where that came from, but Russ decided he wanted to give some handouts, I guess. He was feeling festive during the middle of the season. You know, New Thanksgiving was coming around, wanted to give people some presents or something. I don't know. But uh, the Seahawks, they seem to be back to their old ways, winning football games. Uh, being the Seattle team that we saw in the beginning of the year that basically was just stomping teams, uh, looked like world beaters, looked like they could beat anybody. Uh, the next game I wanted to talk about was uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers losing to the Rams. Uh, I don't know if Jared Goff heard the podcast and me talking shit about him, but Jared Goff had a fantastic game against the Buccaneers. Uh Throw a pick to JPP, which I think is hilarious. But 
Uh, other than that, he had a fantastic game. Uh, his completion percentage was great. Uh, threw a couple touchdowns, uh, had a bunch of yards. Uh, Jared Goff played the best game I've ever seen him play. Other than that, uh, I don't I don't know if you remember the Monday night matchup from last year against the Chiefs. That was a great game that he played as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, probably either of those games or the best games I've ever seen him play. Uh, great game. Tom Brady, I'm going to say it again. I always have to say it. Tom Brady does not like when you can rush forward and get pressure. And the Rams were doing that all night. And Brady, you know, there's a couple of things that Brady did where I, where I was like, oh, what's what's happening here, Tom? Like, he tried to hit uh, Chris Godwin on a deep post when there was a lot of people on his face. He just sails the ball. Uh, one of the Rams' safety is just sitting right there. Jordan uh, Fuller. Uh, yeah, Jordan Fuller. Yeah, oh, oh man. Oh, I wonder why you know who that was. I wonder why you committed that to memory. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ohio State guy, if you guys don't know who Jordan Fuller is. Uh, but as I was saying, uh, Brady looked rattled during the entire game. Looked like he didn't really know what to do. The Rams basically wanted to stick it to Brady for that Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, they, they, wanted, they wanted to get after Brady, and they did. They forced a couple turnovers from him, and the Rams ended up getting the win. Uh, another thing that I wanted to touch on and talk about if you didn't have any closing statements about the game was Tua was benched for Fitzmagic against the Broncos. Uh, not something you love to see if you're a Dolphins fan. Uh, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it'll happen. He's a young quarterback. Uh, Denver does have a decent defense. Don't get me wrong. But you don't love to see the Dolphins losing to Denver in that type of fashion. The offense was anemic. Couldn't really get anything going. The run game wasn't there. Tua didn't look great. Uh, do you have any comments about the Tampa game or Tua getting benched? All I want to say about that Tampa game is that Tom Brady was just playing catch with his fellow 199 pick. Um, but other than that, uh, to the Miami and Denver game, uh, you know, Tua, Tua's a rookie. He's going to have that bad game. There's at least going to be a couple of those bad games, but you know it's good to see that you know he's getting play time as he's the future of Miami and everything like that. It does hurt that you do lose to Denver. You know you're trying to make the playoffs and everything like that. Um, I mean I could see why the Miami put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know two minute drill. They that was their guy I guess to run the two minute drill to try to get them uh, back into the game and get them a touchdown to tie the game up. You know, it's a heartbreaking loss for Miami, but uh, I wouldn't be ashamed or anything like that. As you said, Denver does have a good defense, so maybe it was just a, it was just a bit off game for Tua. You know, you hate to see it, but uh, I think Miami is going to bounce back, and uh, you know, still they're still a good football team. They still got a great defense. Uh, I'm trying to see who they played next week. Uh, they play the Jets next week, so that's basically just another. Another day of practice, so uh, I like the chances against the Jets. Yeah, it's basically a bye week at this point. Uh, sorry, Jets fans, you you've heard it, you've heard it all before. Us you know, that, you know already. Us saying that, hey, you're gonna get Trevor Lawrence. It looks like there you go. Good luck yeah, Lawrence. Future might be bright. <laughs> no, nah, the Jets will probably ruin them like they ruin everybody else. But uh, moving on to another interesting game. Uh, just actually, I have a one comment about the whole Tua thing. Uh, if you're a Miami fan, I wouldn't be super worried. Tua doesn't usually let bad games get to him. Uh, in Alabama, he would have a bad game. He would bounce right back, throw for seven touchdowns, 400 yards, uh, 
he's accurate. That's what matters. People have bad games. Uh, the NFL is all about accuracy, consistency, and uh, he'll probably get it done for years to come. I wouldn't worry. Uh, you love to see Fitzmagic get some play time, though. I love Fitzmagic. Uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch. I think that his just wild unpredictability is one of the best things football has ever seen. Fitzmagic is either Tom Brady or Paxton Lynch, and there's no in between, and I absolutely love it. But uh, but moving on to another interesting game, Dallas, as in the Dallas Cowboys, won a football game this weekend, David. Something the you Dallas have not been able to say very often this season. But a team that had been making waves in these past couple of weeks, the Minnesota Vikings went down to Dallas. Actually, were they playing in Dallas? Uh, I don't think so. No, they were playing in Minnesota. Okay, they were playing in Minnesota. Okay, you're right about that. They were playing in Minnesota, and uh, Dallas went up there, and they handed Dalvin Cook and those boys a surprising loss. Uh, This does, in fact, mean that that Thanksgiving matchup between Dallas and the Redskins is much more interesting. The football team? Come on Excuse excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Name redacted. Excuse me, uh, as I affectionately call them. But, (laughs) but yeah, uh, name redacted and the Cowboys – uh, will in fact play tomorrow. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, if you haven't already said that. But uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Don't get me wrong. Dumpster fire division. Uh, it's going to be great football in quotations because the two teams are just so bad that they're just going to – one team will find a way to win and the other one will just fumble – the bag as many times possible. Uh, it'll probably be the Cowboys. Don't get me wrong. The Cowboys usually find ways to lose this game. Uh, you know, the Cowboys just have a legacy of losing games like this. And uh, I think the, I think the football team or name redacted or whatever you like to call them is just straight up, just a better team than Dallas's. Uh, they play pretty solid defense. Uh, I don't really care who the starting quarterback is because Antonio, Antonio Gibson is a dog. I don't really think it matters. But uh, Terry McLaurin is good, but yeah. That being said, uh, I like the I like the I like the name redacted in this game. Uh, who are you picking to win this matchup, David? Um, I think it's a very interesting matchup. Uh, I, I kind of do give the edge to the Washington Football Team, but the Dallas Cowgirls did return. Red Rocket did return. Had a decent game against the Stinky Vikings. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott finally figured out how to run the ball again. He went over 100. Uh, they started throwing to Amari Cooper again. He had 81 yards. Uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting game. Uh, like you said, two stinky teams playing. This is a horrible division. Um, if Dallas wants to win, uh, once again, they're going to have to figure out how to play defense. Uh, I haven't seen anyone really slow down Terry McLaurin besides maybe Alex Smith. Um, so I do like what the football team's chances in this game <laughs> oh, to win. Man. Alex Smith. Oh man. Mr. Checkdown. Oh again. Yeah. Ch- Captain Checkdown back at it again. Terry McCorn's just too fast for him, bro. Once you get below once you get beyond that five yard range, you know, Alex Smith, he starts getting a little hesitant. He doesn't want to throw that deep ball. You know, Terry They just need to treat him like Jalen Waddle. You gotta be down there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be down there. Maybe they should draft Mac Jones just so he can throw up the ball to Terry McLaurin whenever he wants. Honestly, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is good. that game's going to be interesting. In all the worst ways, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be turnovers. <laughs> There's going to be things 
that you're going to be asking yourself, like people who don't usually watch the NFL, they're just going to watch football because Thanksgiving are going to be, it's like, going to be, it's going to be like watching two JV teams go. They're going to be like, what the hell is going on? Why is this team called the Washington football team? Why do they not even have a name? Why is the, why are the Cowboys starting Andy Dalton? What the hell is happening here? Why is Ezekiel Elliott eating mashed potatoes on the sideline? All these questions you're going to have to ask yourself during Thanksgiving and all of them will be answered. But you know what game we will not be seeing this Thanksgiving is the Steelers playing the Ravens. We touched on that earlier. Uh, just won't be happening because of COVID. Dadgum Ravens. <sighs> ben Roethlisberger can't stay out of those gosh dang churches. You know, he's just such a good Christian. Keeps going to church, getting COVID. Uh, please wear a mask when you're at service, ladies and gentlemen, so we can actually play football at Ben Roethlisberger, but uh, Mark Ingram also, and uh, doesn't J.K. Dobbins also have it? And, yeah, and J.K. Dobbins. Which we got a lot of, we got a lot of COVID uh, going around the NFC, the NFC North. Apparently, the Ravens and Steelers are run up with it, so we probably won't be saying seeing their game until Sunday afternoon. It, AFC. Oh, the AFC North. My bad. Sorry. We were talking about we were talking about the terrible division. And I just had the NFC in my head, but uh, <laughs> AFC North. Uh, yeah, that, that's a game we won't be seeing. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, though. Uh, as we said uh, about Lamar last week, uh, that's actually a great segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Lamar. Lamar didn't have himself a great game against the Titans. Last week, uh, it wasn't great. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, they scored a decent amount of points, but Lamar still didn't still didn't quite look like the Lamar old. Ha- had some bad tendencies, threw a pick, uh, just couldn't quite get the job done. Now, I do think if you're a Ravens fan, you're you're holding your hand over the panic button. Like we're not relaxing anymore. We're holding our hand over the panic button, and if you lose to the Steelers. And the Browns take your spot in the wild card, then we're smashing the panic button as many times as we can because that's a problem. Uh, David, do you think that the Ravens even have a shot of winning this game, or do you think that the Steelers are just going to absolutely roll? Here's my thing uh, one, uh, you know, it hurts you lose probably Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins had a great game last week against Tennessee. Uh, but I think the big thing about Baltimore is that they got to find their rhythm again on offense. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's favorite target is a tight end. You know, no, it's not Travis Kelsey, but you know, you got to find some other playmakers on the offense to also help out Lamar. Uh, Marquise Brown's obviously not getting it done. Uh, Des Bryant, uh, don't get me wrong, he was a great football player for Dallas. He's a little old now. He he's not the answer. I hate to say it, uh, but you know Baltimore's going to have to find that rhythm like they did last year. How they had the offense rolling so well. Um, once again, you know it's another rivalry game. You know Pittsburgh versus the Ravens. You know the last game was a close game. It was a heartbreaking loss for the Ravens. I think they're trying to seek revenge this game. But uh, yeah, Pittsburgh they've just been playing great all year. Haven't really missed a beat. They had a little hiccup against Dallas. But uh, that defense, you know, best defense currently in the league. They're playing lights out, forcing a lot of turnovers, getting lots of sacks per game. So uh, Baltimore's going to have to pull some crazy shenanigans if they want to win this game. 
Yeah, uh, that's pretty much my take on on the game as well, is that Baltimore is going to have to come play probably the best football we've seen them play in the past two years to get a win in this game. Uh, the Steelers look like the obvious best team in the AFC North. Uh, I don't really think they have much of a chance to win this game if Lamar continues to play the way that he does, the way that he has been playing. Uh, if Lamar can somehow recapture his uh, his form from last year, his MVP, uh, you know, world beater form that he was that he had going last year, then I think they got a pretty good chance of winning the game. But it just hasn't been that way for Lamar. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's people have figured him out on offense. The offense is too rudimentary. Uh, they need to add more plays. The run game isn't doing it. I don't know what's happening. Uh, but the Ravens, they badly need this win. If they can't get it, it's not going to be looking good for them in the standings or in the win-loss column. And I don't know, David. I just don't know what to think about the game. Uh, if I was a betting man, I'd put my house on the Steelers. I won't lie. I don't really think it uh, it matters. You know, revenge is a dish best served cold. And uh, Lamar has been cold so far this year. So I'm not picking the Ravens in this game, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Um, Lamar hasn't been playing great. Uh, I think the Steelers win this one. I think they win it pretty easily. They keep on rolling. Yeah, I think they win by at least 14 points. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion, but uh, I I just think that's the way it is. Uh, a lot of people might not like to hear that. Um, a lot of people probably looking forward to this game, think it's going to be a decent game. Uh I just don't see it that way. I think it's a bit of a mismatch when you look at the teams, how they've been playing. Uh, Vegas apparently has no idea about this game. There's not even a line for this game or anything currently on ESPN. Uh, ESPN likes the Steelers by a little bit. Uh, But other than that, uh, the Steelers are favored. I'd pick the Steelers basically is what we're trying to say here. Uh, Lamar hasn't looked great. Uh, moving on to the next game, which is a very interesting game. Probably the best game that's going to be played this week if you like just fundamental, good-looking football is uh, Tennessee is going to play Indianapolis for the second time in three weeks uh, to decide the NFC South front runner. Uh, Indianapolis, they basically stole a win last time these teams played. Indianapolis played, uh, they played great defense. They got it done when they had to. Phillip Rivers had a great game. Uh, David, do you think that the Titans are going to be licking their chops to bust Indianapolis in the mouth in this game, or do you think that Indy's going to get another win? Um, I think Tennessee's definitely going to try to. Um, They're going to pound that rock with Derrick Henry, try to physically bust some mouths on that Indianapolis defense. Uh, But once again, I think that Colts defense is just too strong. Uh, they're going to have to – Brian Tannehill is going to have to toss the ball a little more than he probably likes. Uh, so I'm, I'm liking I'm liking Indianapolis' chances. You know, they just came off a great win against Green Bay. I don't think anyone thought they would beat Green Bay. So uh, I really do like Indianapolis' chances to win this game, and I think they keep on rolling. Uh, I'm actually going to have the adverse take to that. I actually really like the Titans' chances in this game. Uh, Derrick Henry couldn't really get it, get it going the last time they played Indy. Uh, I think that changes this time. I think uh, Derrick Henry uh, has a pretty decent game this time around. I think that the Tennessee Titans get the, gets, get the stops when they need to. I think they might force a couple turnovers. Phillip Rivers, he likes to throw picks. Uh, I think he throws a couple in this game. 
Uh, I think the Titans give him a, give him a bit bit of different looks, maybe send some pressure at him, get him off a spot, make him make some mistakes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Tennessee in this game. Uh, in my opinion, I still think Tennessee is the better football team. Uh, Colts fans are probably you know booing me right now, uh, but Tennessee, in my opinion, is just more fundamentally sound than Indy is. It probably did, it didn't really show the last time they played each other, but I think that Tennessee overall is the better football team, and I think they're going to win. Don't get me wrong; they're not going to win by a lot. Uh, this game's going to be close. Uh, right now, the spread is minus three for the Colts. Uh, I'd probably flip that for my prediction. I'd probably go minus three for the Titans, which would mean they would win by three points. And that's basically where I'm going with this game. Uh, do you, I know you, you disagree, David, but do you think that that's ridiculous that I'm saying this or do you understand what I, where I'm coming from? No, I think it's possible. You know, it's two great teams. Anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, they basically, that's a rundown with Tennessee and Indy. Uh, it's not a flashy game. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be some great football. If you want to watch some great football this Sunday, uh, the bears do in fact play green Bay and that good old storied rivalry that everybody loves to watch. Uh, it might not love to watch it this time around as the bears playing in my opinion are not very good. Uh, <laughs> their offense is anemic. They cannot move the ball. Uh, they somehow, I didn't think it could be done, gave Kirk Cousins a Monday Night Football win. I thought he was never going to get one, but the Bears did it somehow. And, you know, Nick Foles, uh, I don't know if he's going to be playing. Let me look real quick. Uh, it doesn't look like Nick Foles is going to be playing. And Vegas is adjusting the odds accordingly as the – Packers are eight and a half point favorite, which if you don't know anything about NFL lines is a lot. <laughs> uh, eight and a half points in the NFL is a pretty decent margin to be favored. Uh, I'd be inclined to believe Vegas. I think eight and a half points is, I think that's honestly selling them a little short. I think the Packers win by at least 17 in this game. And I don't even think it's close. David, what are your, what are your thoughts about this, about this game? Um, I got the Packers by a lot and the Bears by a little. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing great, uh, has, has had that great stretch. Uh, Devontae Adams, come on now, who's going to stop him on the Bears' defense? Let's get real. No one really can stop him. Yeah, he's playing lights out football as well. And, you know, if you stop him, then you got to stop Aaron Jones. So, like I said earlier, you know, the Packers by a lot and the Bears by a little. Yep, uh, basically we're on the same page with that game. Uh, the next game that really needs to be touched on is Tom Brady is in fact playing Patrick Mahomes this weekend as the Bucks will be playing the Chiefs. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game for a lot of people. Uh, Patrick Mahomes probably wants to you know get some revenge. Brady did send him home uh, two years ago in the AFC title. A lot of people thought that the Chiefs were the better team out of the two teams, uh, you know, if, if, uh, you know, the chiefs didn't have that offsides penalty, uh, it might've been a different story. The chiefs might've won the super bowl instead of the Patriots, but you know, everybody knew what happened that went offsides, the pick didn't count. Brady goes down, he scores and the rest is history. Uh, but this just adds a little bit, a little bit more oomph to this matchup. In my opinion, that Patrick Mahomes 
wants to wants to basically annihilate Tom Brady. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes uh, wants Brady to even score a point. I think Patrick Mahomes would love nothing more than to hang 50 on the Bucks and just basically prove to Tom Brady that he's not the sheriff in town anymore, for lack of a better term. Oh, son. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, Tampa Bay, they're probably the most talented team in the NFL. Uh, but the problem with them is that they just can't get all the pieces in place to show that they're the most talented team. Like you saw last week, struggled a little bit against the Rams. Um, uh, Patrick Mahomes is definitely looking for revenge. He's been playing great all year. Uh, I like the Chiefs in this game. Um, you know, I just don't see the Buccaneers, you know, stopping Travis Kelsey and, you know, Clyde Edwards, Elair, and Tyreek Hill, and just all that power on that uh, Chiefs offense. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Tom Brady, maybe he has a good game. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he throws a couple more picks. Who knows? The man's getting old. You know, still the GOAT, though. But uh, I think the Chiefs win this game. Yeah. I think most people think that the Chiefs are going to win the game. Uh, the Bucks, they got a pretty decent – they got a pretty good defense. Uh, I think they could give – uh, Patrick Mahomes some problems. I don't think it's anything that's really gonna get him off the spot very much. Uh, he's just, they just got too many weapons. The Chiefs, you can't hold them down for long, and when you do, uh, as the Texans did last year in the playoffs, they just explode afterwards. Uh, the Texans they were winning by twenty four points, and the Chiefs come back and hang fifty on them. You know that's just what happens. I said last week that the Harlem Globetrotters of football, they all they do is score points, offense. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody knows how it goes. Everybody knows what Patrick Mahomes is about. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's very much to touch on in that game. It'll be a good game, I think. Uh, Patrick Mahomes would love for, it to, for, love for it to be a blowout, but I don't think it's going to be. I think either of the teams, they'll probably win by a score. Don't get me wrong. But I think it'll be a last-second touchdown. I think you'll see a lot of offense. Uh, I think the Bucks, the Bucks defense will be able to match up against uh, – all the weapons that the Chiefs have. And the Chiefs defense, it's not great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the Bucks have a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, Brady usually bounces back after bad games. And I think he'll bounce back in this one. Uh, but I do agree with you. I do think the Chiefs will capture a victory. Uh, moving on to NBA and all the wild things that are happening in the National Basketball Association. Uh, Rondo and Gallinari both joined the Atlanta Hawks which I believe does, in fact, make the Hawks a playoff team. David, however, would disagree with me. Uh, David, can you explain your reasoning? Um, no, don't get me wrong. Trey Young's great. Rajon Rondo's a good player. Uh, is a great player. Uh, the problem is, is that I'm worried about that bench depth. Uh, you know. I think it definitely helps the Hawks' chances to make the playoffs. Maybe they're a low seed, like a seventh seed or an eighth seed or something like that. You know, if they make the if they make the playoffs, you know, congrats to the Hawks and you know, wish them the best in the playoffs. Uh, I will say that they did very good by picking up Rajon Rondo because that does add a veteran into the locker room and does add that veteran leadership. Someone who has won multiple championships and who just came off of a team that just won a championship. So, uh, you know, I could see the Hawks making the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if they did or didn't, but uh, we'll have to see how the season plays out with them. 
Yeah, uh, that's basically what the Hawks were missing. They were missing that veteran voice, that veteran presence. There's a lot of young players on the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks, if if everybody doesn't know, do in fact have Clint Capella. You probably wouldn't know that because Clint Capella did not play for the Hawks last season. He will be stepping on the court for the Hawks this year, which I think Clint Capella and Gallinari make a pretty big difference for the Hawks. I think they get them some buckets, some rebounds, some stops that they would not have gotten with their normal starting five. Uh, as you said, Rondo adds that presence. Uh, Rondo actually also adds a defensive point guard, something that the Hawks have not had in a while since we had Jeff Teague, who uh, would usually buckle down and get some stops for us back in the day. Uh, but other than that, uh, I see where you're coming from, that the Hawks probably would be a lower seed in the playoff. Uh, the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if the Hawks uh, won a playoff series. I think they're. I think we're talented enough. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, it's Atlanta sports. Don't get me wrong. My hopes aren't super high, but I think the Hawks are moving in the right direction. They're acquiring young talent. They, they know, they know what to do. I think the Hawks, they just need that veteran presence from Rondo. And I think that's going to go a long way in developing Trey young as the real leader of this team. Uh, I don't really think, don't get me wrong. He's the star of the team, but being the star and being a leader are two different things. Uh, a lot of teams, uh, the leader of the locker room is not always the star player. For example, uh, Kawhi might be the best player on the Clippers, but uh, I don't believe Kawhi is the leader of that team. Uh, I mean, he, you have to speak to be the leader of a team, and Kawhi doesn't do much <laughs> of that. So, uh, But, yeah, all jokes aside, uh, moving on to another uh, pickup and or trade, Hayward to the Hornets. Uh I'm not going to lie to you, a bit expensive for Gordon Hayward. I will Very expensive. It was an interesting pickup. Now, he can replicate what he did in Utah, then, hey, hats off to them. But uh, he didn't look you know, like he did in Utah as when he played in you know, Boston. So, uh, pretty expensive price tag for a player that hasn't been playing too great. But... You know, if he gets things going, then, you know, maybe we see the Hornets in the playoff. Probably not, because they still stink. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. There's zero chance that the Hornets are making the playoffs. I'm just going to go on the record saying that right now. Uh, The Hornets, they're trying to get some younger talent. They're trying to, you know, build up. Michael Jordan is basically, I mean, honestly, Michael Jordan might play Gordon Hayward one-on-one and beat him and, you know, ruin his entire career like he did with uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. But uh, or wait, did you do which player did he play one on one? Yeah, Michael. Yeah, Kidd, 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 if I remember correctly, that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, so they just need to keep uh Michael Jordan out of the gym when uh Gordon Hayward is warming up, and I think they'll be good. Uh, Gordon, don't get me wrong, Gordon Hayward's a pretty good player. Uh, I'm I'm scratching my head. Uh, don't get me wrong, the why is they want to win basketball games, but why though? Like, why Gordon Hayward? Out of all the players you could have targeted and all the players players you could have acquired to build a culture in Charlotte, why would you choose Gordon Hayward? Um, I guess they think that's their star player. I know they picked up Lamelo. You know, they just let Kimba go. But uh, I guess they see him as their star player, and maybe he can turn things around for him. You know, who knows? Uh, I don't think, like, players who, like, 
played in like a professional league and then become like a GM in that same league do well. And I think that's really shown with Michael Jordan being the owner of the Hornets. So, but who knows? Maybe he found something and maybe he saw something in Gordon Hayward that he liked. And maybe that's, that's probably why they gave him all that money. But, you know, time will tell. Yeah, and uh, believe it or not, the interesting thing about uh, this deal is they actually got him for a discount based on what the Celtics were willing to pay him. Uh, Woj uh, reported that he turned down $34.2 million from the Celtics uh, to go play for the Hornets and restructure his contract. Uh, I just think that's interesting. Uh, I guess Hayward, uh, he must have been talking to Michael Jordan or something because I guess he's bought in that uh, he's the guy. They want him to be the guy for the next four years. Uh, I guess they want him to develop some of these young guys and uh, make make Lamelo, you know, show Lamelo how to be a pro maybe, uh, you know, guide him through the ropes, see what he can do. But, uh, David, why don't you break down some of these Lakers signings, trades, and all those things like that since, you know, your Lakers are the defending champions. Do you think that all of these – all this movement, all these signings – just reaffirms the Lakers seat at the mountaintop, or do you think that moving off of some of these guys is going to hurt their chances? This is how I'm going to put it to you. The Lakers no longer rebuild. We reload. I know we offloaded Rajon Rondo. Hated to see him go. Loved him as a player. You know, he brought that veteran leadership. You know, he's an amazing defensive point guard. Um, Resigning KCP, uh, well, if you about, he can play good and then he can play bad. So that one was very interesting, you know. But glad to see him come back. Uh, picking up Mark Gasol, I think that was a pretty good pickup. Another big man, uh, you know. His brother Paul Gasol played for us, you know, won a few championships. Uh, so brings in another veteran player, another another player with a lot of experience, playoff experience. Uh, I think their biggest deal that they made. And biggest player that they picked up was Dennis Schroeder. Uh, that just brings a point guard who can shoot and who can shoot the ball well. Uh, it brings another key player for, you know, LeBron and AD so they don't have to, you know, get all the points and everything like that. Uh, I, I still like the Lakers' chances to repeat, but, you know, basketball is kind of a, a game of luck and who's hot and who's cold. So we'll see, but uh, I think the Lakers should still be favored to win the finals again. You know, what's interesting about you saying all that stuff, David, is you didn't mention the biggest loss that they had. They couldn't keep JaVale McGee. Oh, no, I saw that. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe they, they couldn't keep JaVale McGee. And they also let Dwight Howard go. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Javel McGee, I mean, that's just a real blow to the locker room. I don't think you know, he, he's an MVP. He's a two time MVP. Shaq and a full MVP, two time. Tragic Bronson. It's just never going to be, you know, the Lakers, just, they're just not going to be the same without him. But uh, all jokes never. aside, uh, the Lakers, they're still a great basketball team. Uh, they're still probably the best team in the West. Uh, you know, all those people on Twitter uh, will be saying the Clippers are the best team. Uh, you know, Skip Bayless loves to say that if the Clippers, you know, just would have, would have, you know, gotten to the conference finals, you know, they would have beat the Lakers. But I'm inclined to not believe that, considering they couldn't even make it there. But 
moving on from the Lakers, as we know what the Lakers are, they just can't. They just come off, came off winning a championship. We know how good they are. We know what LeBron's about. We know what AD's about. Uh, as you said, David, they basically just reloaded. I don't really think they got better or worse at any of the let, let me also remind those little Clippy fans that the Lakers went into your team and stole Montrell's Harrell right off of y'all. So just remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clippers fans probably not super happy about that. Uh, I, I don't really think Clippers fans have much to be happy about considering how the bubble went, but uh, moving on, there was a, uh, there was a four team trade, some trade shenanigans in the NBA. Uh, the four team trade sent uh, George Hill to Oklahoma city, Steven Adams to new Orleans and drew holiday to Milwaukee. Uh, who do you think won the four, the four team trade? And do you think that, well, basically what I'm asking you is that, do you think that Steven Adams in new Orleans or drew holiday in Milwaukee are going to make a bigger impact on their teams? Drew holiday in Milwaukee. That brings an elite shooter, brings another playmaker to Milwaukee. It keeps Giannis happy. Um, so I think that was a very, very good pickup for Milwaukee. I know they they really wanted this guy in free agency, and you know they went out there and got him. And I just think that was a very good pickup. I think it helps their chances. Um, you know, still I think the most powerful team uh, in the East is if the Heat can rec- uh, replicate what they did last year. I, I still think the Heat are the best team, unless you know maybe Boston surprises. But I think it really helps Milwaukee's chances by picking up an elite shooter like Drew Holiday. Yeah, uh, I, I would I would agree. Uh, Steven Adams, don't get me wrong, he's a great center. He's a solid player. But Milwaukee needed that extra shooter other than Chris Middleton. They needed that guy who could stretch the floor, uh, really make people respect his range. Uh, they needed a guy who could get hot and make uh, a high percentage of three-pointers if they really needed him to. Uh Giannis just needs help is basically what it what it boils down to. Uh, they needed a guy who could score points that wasn't named Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, and I believe they did get him and Drew Holiday. And I do agree with you that that did make probably the biggest impact on all these teams. Uh, just a fun little thing I do want to ask you, David, is that there is going to be an interesting thing coming up. Do you think that – LaMelo Ball, since we touched on the Hornets, do you think LaMelo Ball will be better or worse than his brother in the NBA? Um, I don't understand why the Lakers ever drafted Lalonzo. No offense to Lonzo. Uh, I kind of feel like LaMelo is going to be better. He's a great shooter. Uh, he just plays the point guard position, um, I think, to a more NBA style than his brother did. Don't, make it, don't get me wrong. Uh, Lonzo's a great passer. I just think his shooting's not there for as like a point guard as you think. But I think I think Lamella will be a little bit more successive uh, coming out in his rookie season than Lonzo was. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a three point stroke myself, but I don't understand how Magic Johnson saw that booty shooting form that Lamelo Ball had. And thought that that man was going to light it up in the NBA from the three-point hey, line. Hey, whatever works, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't work out. I just wanted to ask you. I thought it was interesting. As a Lakers fan, you know, you had Lonzo. He came and went. But uh, I guess that's going to do it for us. This has been the Coaches Don't Play Sports Podcast. Uh, I've been Blake Zettler. 
joined by David Cherub. If you want to find us, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're probably there. Uh, a YouTube channel is pending. And uh, just take it easy, everybody. We'll see you next week. Enjoy y'all's holidays.